You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Totally. I made, you know, I always say, like, if any of that had happened when I was in my 20s and, like, just kind of, like, so, like, hungry for everything, I probably would have ruined it because I would have just, I wasn't ready for it. My emotional maturity wasn't there. The musical maturity was definitely not there. Like, I had to go through all that to find what was actually important in music, and, and that was just something that's actually personally fulfilling has to be first. You know, and once I figured that out, things sort of started falling into place a little bit. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and trust me when I say, if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a show to go to, well... Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on so many shows all year long, and they are all simply bangers. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves extreme metal, well, let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you're to encourage one of your metalhead friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Mario Quintero of Spotlights. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 428. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Mario Quintero of Spotlights. Mario, big fan. Thank Such you. a big fan that I had to write you, hit <laughs> you up to come and hang out with you here. We're in Montreal. We're on St. Denis Street. You're playing Turbo House. Yep. Whenever I'm in Turbo House area, I bring people to La Mer à Bois, one of my favorite watering holes here in Montreal. They make classic Czech-inspired beers. Just nice. the best. It's delicious. Um, I'm we're drinking it. their Cherna, which is um, basically their classic beer, their their flagship beer let's say right. it's named after the yeast strain that they use okay uh, right. which they probably smuggled from Czech Republic <laughs> which you're not supposed to do That's the way to do it though. let's just start with a very simple how you doing I'm doing good how are you Matt I'm great I'm hanging out with you yeah. nice. Saturday night we're gonna do it's a little a gorgeous cheers day here. out yeah yeah we're lucky cheers cheers yeah I'm good we're uh you know it's this short this little tour was only technically three shows so it's compared to the 42 we just finished. It's a it's a walk in the park. It's a walk in the park. But <laughs> yeah. what's interesting about it, and having done it, it takes equal as much preparation work. It really does to actually. put 42 shows together or to put three shows together. I feel just as tired as it I totally. did at the end of the 42 <laughs> show tour. <laughs> uh, talk to me, classic Vox and Hops question. Take me back to the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardians' house. What music was playing when you were not control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? So my parents are Colombian. Uh, I lived in Colombia when I was six months old. My parents. I was born in California, but when I was six months old, my parents moved back to Colombia, and so I lived the first eight years of my life there. And uh, both of my parents are huge music fans, but all, or mostly, I should say, Latin music. Um, a lot of, like, 
Mexican rancheras. Uh, there's these, uh, these groups, some are Mexican, some are Colombian, there's different Central American versions, but it's basically trios, and uh, they have like uh, three different kinds of guitars, one's called a requinto, one's a regular six-string acoustic, and uh, one's like a bass guitar, but it's a six-string guitar, it's just like basically a, an acoustic sick. tenor guitar. Yeah. And they just sing these incredible harmonies and these beautiful songs. Um, so that's really like, that's the soundtrack of my youth, mixed in with... You know, and this is very young, obviously, when I really had no no way of getting my own records or anything. Mm -hmm. That mixed in with the fact that I had two older sisters um, who were both also huge music fans. Uh, and, you know, by the time I was six or seven, I was rating their record and tape collections. And so, like... That early, just the itch. Oh, to, yeah. To I loved it. I loved hunting it. For, Ever since I was a, hunting for what? Hunting for that sound? Just anything. Like, I, well, I would hear stuff on the radio, you know, that they would be listening to. Yes. And so I would... Or they would be playing records in their rooms, and I would walk in and just hear what's going on. So I would see that, you know, that's Purple Rain. I'm going to go check that out. Oh, yeah. So uh, two clear ones that I remember was Michael Jackson, uh, Thriller and Purple Rain. Purple Rain was the tape, Michael Jackson was the vinyl. Um, so yeah, I grabbed those out of their rooms. And that was, yeah, v as far as like being really young, that's kind of what kicked off uh, listening to music myself. What would have been that first uh, tape, vinyl, cassette, CD that you brought into the house that was very special for you? I say. have one, one memory. So again, I mean, I, I made a lot of tapes my own that I st would steal from my sister's. Uh, I had this one Cure tape. It was a, it was a mi a, a mixtape of the Cure, of just like different albums, mostly Head on the Door, but like Staring at the Sea, some of the Top, uh, whatever, just kind of a mix. And I stole that from my sister and never gave it back. So I kind of <laughs> claimed that as my own. But the first one I remember buying, and I only remember this because my mom looked at me weird when I bought it, but was New Order Low Life. Uh, and because of the name of the album, she was kind of like, what Concerned the hell is this? Yes. <laughs> They're early you're, concerns you're nine coming. years old. Like, why, what are you listening to? <laughs> are you are you depressed? <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was like kind of just experimenting based off of what I had heard my sisters listening to. Very you know? And I found, I, I knew New Order and I knew that I liked when they played it. So I've, I got that tape and uh, it just kind of went from there. I'm trying to think of another one that I... I didn't buy much music again because my sisters were such avid listeners. I had, uh, I bought Helmet Meantime on CD when I was like 15. And that was like a monumental moment for me. That was a huge one for sure. It's a great fucking record for it's sure. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. That and Strap It On to me at that time in my life were like everything. Yeah. Back to beer. Talk to me about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer that you drank? Was it in Colombia? Was it when you came back to the States? It was definitely in Colombia. Really? Wow. Although I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, I was, that's one thing about Colombia is, uh, you know. You Things can, are more lax. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can go to the store and buy a six-pack for your parents. Uh-huh. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds fun. <laughs> but I do, I mean, I think my parents were just very social, and they always had parties and friends over and whatnot, so, like, I was definitely the kid walking around, sneaking like drinks of beers and and alcohol, whatever. I was attracted to it from a young age, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> or maybe not unfortunately. But um, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. So it was it was probably some sort of like what you would equate to like a low umbrow kind of beer. Uh, I remember it had like the little lion on it, and. Uh, 
That's probably the very first taste of beer I had. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you're not the biggest craft beer enthusiast. Correct. Albeit, you had your studio in San Diego. Correct, yeah. Um, and San Diego's a craft beer mecca. So talk to me about you yeah. not getting enthralled in this dangerous, slippery th- slope. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of friends. I definitely drank more beer back then. I had a lot of friends that were getting into brewing and just... Uh, San, San Diego's just a mecca. Yeah, I mean, everybody around that time, this was 2000... I would live there from 2003 to 2013. Exactly. And so yeah. that's kind of prime time for all that to explode. Um, there was a lot of cool bars, you know, small breweries. Now they're everywhere, but that was that was like rare back then. Totally. And so it was interesting to me. Again, I don't really remember what was what because I'm not I just wasn't into like the scene of it all but I had some incredible beers and um you know I've always I've loved like there was a lot of porters that I liked a lot um I've been a big ale fan I just like like ales and pilsners and things like that light things yeah, not, not the big big hop exactly craze. yeah you just you just jumped right over that because yeah, lagers just, are back in man lagers are super trendy now because when i like when i drink beer i want to i'm usually it's kind of like a party thing so it'll be like i want to kind of drink beer throughout the day yeah and if i'm drinking a big heavy ipa it just i my taste buds get overwhelmed and i don't want any more after one you know one for me is enough and then I start mixing with booze and whatnot, and then you just end up in a bad spot. So hor- hor- We'll get yeah. to that later. I, I'm going to wrap <laughs> yeah. up with that, but we're not going to touch okay. it just yet. <laughs> Talk to me about your first shows, the first live music experience. I imagine it was those bands you were talking about, the three-piece guitar bands. Um, so the very first show, very first concert I ever went to was uh, B-52s. Really? Yeah, so when that's I cool. was in junior high, I think I was maybe... I don't know, seventh grade. So I was like 11 years old, 12 years old. And, uh, and then shortly after that, I I was skateboarding a lot at that time. And so I had, we had like a little group of friends that had this other older friend. He was like 17, 18. He had a car and would take us all to the hardcore shows. Amazing. Uh, so yeah, by the time I was 12, I was going to hardcore shows and just whatever came through. There was a amazing, there was a little club in Miami called Washington square. That was awesome. Like about the size of turbo house. Wow. Maybe, maybe a tiny drop bigger, but not much. And you know, I got to see like one of the first shows there. We were talking about this in the van the other day. It was, uh, this band, there was a local band called quit. That was like a big deal in Miami. They were great. Kind of a, kind of a faster punk type thing but they were I th- i'm pretty sure green day was opening for them at this spot holy shit and i mean okay. this is 1987 88 probably wow. um so yeah and, and i mean nobody knew who they were at that point no, exactly. I, I wish i would have kept the flyer for that one because it was <laughs> that's pretty insane. crazy that's uh, crazy but yeah there was shows i mean i saw you know i saw shelter into another uh instead all these like whoever whatever whoever would come down i got to see fugazi when i was like 13 14 wow. uh for repeater which was just just was like amazing. you know from you raiding your sister's record collection to having this cool friend yeah. to bring you to these shows it's such an interesting like landscape that you've painted for yourself at such a young age totally which yeah. a lot of parents nowadays are very overprotecting and would never let that happen i know right i was kind of lucky i think because my parents it, and it's kind of a cultural divide really like they didn't really understand 
<laughs> this music or, or even like the lifestyle of going to shows, you know, yes. they went, they know concerts and like giant arenas and not that the, the, the or DIY like, or like a, at a restaurant, they'll yeah. be like a flamenco, the DIY. Playing. Yeah. But yeah, just going to a punk Put, show or hardcore putting, show, putting they didn't PA even get it. So to them, they were like, all right, well, I guess, you know, have fun. They don't know what's going on there. <laughs> what was your, was it like immediate, like, uh, interest in the lore of what hardcore was and the, cause it's, it's an extreme place yeah, for, for a young kid. For me, I never, so with this group of friends that we had, you know, we all skated, but I never was into like the, I never fell into kind of like the straight edge hardcore, like ethos. Like yeah. I never cared much about the, like the whole philosophy of hardcore as much as I just loved the music, the music, the heaviness and like the just the intensity of the music you know and it was just i mean maybe there was something to the just like the maybe even the style of like the clothing and just the things that drew me to hardcore as like a as a scene or whatever mm -hmm. or, you know um but yeah it was all music for me it was just i, I already at that point was playing guitar I started playing guitar when I was 10. Why the guitar? Did it, did it stem back to something your parents would understand and would let you play because they were so into that? I mean, it wasn't for them so much, but my, my dad always had, he had this acoustic guitar, like just laying around the house. He never, he never played. I think he, he wanted to play, but never really like took it up. Yeah. But they had it there for when friends would come over, they would just pick it up and like sing for songs the, together. At the parties. Or whatever. I yeah. love it. I love it. So I always just was around it. And again, like my uncles played guitar and, it was just every around me all the time. And for some reason, it just, I think to me, MTV was a big part of that. Like watching people play on MTV and seeing like hair metal bands just yeah. ripping on guitar. It just gave me that, uh, the, the itch to, to do that. I had no idea what I was doing when I started, but I asked my mom if I could take a lesson and she let me do it and took me and got a guitar. I, I actually... I took piano lessons when I was like five in Columbia, Interesting. Okay. but I didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Other, I, I loved playing the piano, but I hated the study aspect of it. So like having to go to the lesson, having to do homework. Was it like an extra uh, school thing? It felt like it to what, me. What was you know, your relationship with school like? It's, I felt the same exact way. I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> and, I mean, from beginning to end, man, I've, I was. Except for gym class. And, uh, not even. No? No, I would go hide when I was in, when I was in elementary school, I would go hide in the bathrooms oh yeah during pe i would i started skipping school when i was in sixth grade really okay and pretty much didn't stop until i finally somehow graduated like by the skin of my teeth and interesting <laughs> and then production came into your life yeah music and production so i mean that's the thing is throughout all of school and i was i it's weird because I, I didn't do bad in school it's like i I absorbed information well when I was there. I just didn't want to be there. But not schools are made; they should be more curated to each child. But it's not the way it is. The system for me hypothetically, just didn't work. you could have excelled had you been catered to. Which was obvious as soon as I got out of high school. I started going to school for music, well, for engineering. I did like a semester uh, at a community college. And I had straight A's yeah, from then on. Because you were interested. Yeah, yeah. Until I until I took all the music classes and all the guitar, you know, all the ensembles, everything that I liked. And I started having to do, like, the general education stuff that I wasn't interested in. There was a little dip in grades there. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I, I completely understand. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. How about your first time on stage? Let's hit that question now. So my very first time on stage, um, it's hard to remember exactly. On a, on a proper stage, geez, 
I would say, well, I don't, I don't even remember on a proper stage, but my very first show was a high school party that I played with my very first band that was called Basement. And uh, I was still in junior high. Two of, the, two of the other guys were in high school already. And they went to like an art school in Miami called uh, New World. And so they knew all the, all the cool music and art people. And, oh, yes. So uh, you're auto- automatically in. Yeah, I was, I was in. And uh, we were, I mean, some, some of the stuff wasn't bad. I, from what I can remember, it wasn't bad. We played a party. And, you know, it was probably like 15 people there. It's the joys of, of our era of musicians. There's no YouTube to document this, exactly. which I'm very grateful for. I know, me too. Yeah, you have to actually try and remember things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I remember we can that embellish being... it the way we want to. Exactly. It was amazing, man. People were going nuts. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the first like performance that I can remember. And then I just tried to do it as much as I could since then. You know, I had, I played in so many bands that just did nothing. You know, I try, it wasn't for lack of trying, but we just never had the luck or really just, I don't think we had the, I hadn't figured it out really what worked musically, I think. Um, Obviously with spotlights you have. Yeah. I feel like it took me about that long, which is super interesting. And I definitely wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about, you have your studio. Right. You end up collaborating with Sarah on a track, and it grows into something. Exactly. And then you don't even have a record out, and then you get an email to join Deftones on tour. Yeah. You can't make this shit up. Basically, no. But you put in hours and years of heartache and, and work into crafting yourself as a songwriter, as a performer, as a yeah. musician, as a business, because music is a business. Totally. I made, you know, I always say, like, if any of that had happened when I was in my 20s, and exactly. like, just kind of, like, so, like, hungry for everything, I probably would have ruined it. Exactly. Because I would have yeah. just, I wasn't ready for the it. The maturity. Yeah. My emotional maturity wasn't there. The musical maturity was definitely not there. Like, I had to go through all that to find what was actually important in music. And, totally. and that was just... Yeah something that's actually personally fulfilling has to be first you know and once i figured that out things sort of started falling into place a little bit so cool back to engineering uh why did you go through that what was the itch there my guitarist records all of our material christian donaldson he's a massive producer he's produced the despised icon cryptopsy the agonist uh, beyond creation shadow of intent amazing Um, he started recording because there was no one else right he wanted to have a demo so so he just learned how to do it himself i think it was out of that same necessity like even when i was young young like 14 no even younger than that so i remember being like uh, probably like 11, 12 when I first started playing guitar. I had a little Casio keyboard and I had two boom boxes. I had like w- mine and then my parents had a little boom box, so I would bring that one in my yes. room. And I figured out how to get like drum sounds on the on the Casio and I would like, I mean, I was technically songwriting. I just didn't know what I was doing. Exactly. You know, I was like putting parts together and recording I would, it, I would on record one. it onto one, exactly. bounce it onto the other. I just always had the itch to like hear myself back. Interesting. I wanted to hear what I was doing always. And so I think that really was what spawned my love for engineering because I do love it. Um, and yeah, it just it grew from there. You know, then I had the four track, and then eventually when I was like 19, I bought a an ADAT, which was like an eight track digital recorder, and a little mixer, and I think a, a little shitty like Elise's compressor, and and just started recording my band at the time, and you know, never. It's it's funny. I've I've think I've only been recorded by somebody else twice in my life. 
Interesting. That's difficult to 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 give up the reins, to give up the reins and be like, I trust you. But it's not even that. It's almost just because I I came to it so much as like a personal thing. I just I've always been recording myself, and I never had the money to go to a studio. I never had. I don't know. I just I just it was something that didn't really like happen too much in my life. We didn't have the option. So like, I had we have a four track. Let's just use that. We have a you know a stereo with a mic input let's just hang the mic in the middle totally of the room and record totally, it totally did that and yeah. so all those things i think and i'm glad i had to go through all that because i learned a lot about audio through that you know to go back to your question the reason i went to school for it was i had kind of like fallen out of the just playing music with playing guitar and playing in bands and just i don't know it was kind of going through a dip where it wasn't really doing anything for me but i still loved music and I had to go to college or do something, so I checked out the engineering program there. I heard it was really good, and uh, and it was cool. I did one semester, and then through that program, you had to take some sort of like music class. So you had to do an ensemble or like whatever. And I had through taking guitar lessons when I was younger, I I learned a little bit of jazz stuff. I knew some chords. I could read some basic chords and whatnot. So I I joined the jazz ensemble like a small quartet thing and uh and it just it was one of those things where like i was i was better than i knew that i was you know like i i was like oh i kind of know how I to know, do this I stuff know, i know and it gave me this like confidence and it, it really like it got me just a hundred percent into playing guitar like and studying and f- got fully into like the school aspect of music um so i kind of stopped stopped doing the engineering program and just went fully into the jazz program and got on scholarship and then just started that's all i did was for four years straight just with my head down on my guitar interesting so you see, and i would never have heard that or thought of that yeah from listening to spotlights right all right so you've taken all that 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 theory and have applied it sure but without the technicality of it all that's right same. right right i mean if you listen you, you probably hear a little bit of like not in everything but sometimes there's a little bit of that the the tensions in some of the chords and some of the things I'm going to you know, like have to re- reevaluate <laughs> my spotlights relationship yeah. now. Very interesting. Yeah, so I did that and then eventually went to Berkeley in Boston for oh, for music okay. for guitar, but I didn't finish there. I like everybody else dropped out and started <laughs> playing in rock bands again. <laughs> Where did that like drive starting so many bands that you put your heart in doesn't work? starting again starting again where where did you find that drive i think the love for just playing i've never i've never understood when people are like oh well you know if i'm by the time i'm you know when we're 18 it's like by the time i'm 25 if i'm not if i haven't made it i'm gonna quit playing then by the time i'm 30 i'm gonna quit playing and it's like i just never understood that and what does make it mean yeah like what are you talking about have i made it we made it we're getting to play guitar you know what i mean we're playing in a room together making music (laughs) with how hard is exactly yeah yeah I just had a true love for it, and I think I still do to the point where, you know, if all this went away, I wouldn't just stop playing music. I would exactly. keep doing it. You keep it for yourself. You know, I've I've definitely had the hope that I could, like, play bigger shows, or I've always wanted that, obviously. Um, and because it never happened, I kept trying. 
<laughs> you, know. you do the Deftones tour, you, you drop the first record, or maybe my timeline is skewed. You get picked up by Ipecac. Yeah, you, I think you pretty much have it. Which so is did, just yeah. fucking awesome, because Mike Patton... Oh, yeah. I've been circling Mike Patton with the podcast. I've spoken to so many oh, of his yeah. bandmates. I have He's not landed him yet, but <laughs> I, I still, you know, you put the things into the universe, Never and sometimes yeah, exactly. things happen. Yep. Um, that must have been crazy. So, obviously, like, uh, the way that Ipecac, I look at the label, is it's very varied. Yeah. The, the the roster is extremely eclectic. Yeah, yeah. And you never know what you're going to get, but right. you know it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So so joining a roster like that must have been something to the monumental. I mean, it was a, it was everything we could have asked for. It's they were they were our top choice, and we sent out to a bunch of different labels when we had the demos for Seismic, which was going to be our second record, which is where I discovered you guys. Yeah. Oh, nice. And. Uh, and yeah, so we had sent to Ipecac, and we had already decided that Aaron Harris, the drummer from ISIS, yeah. was going to record us. So we were yeah. friends already. We, he, The band that Sarah and I played in before Spotlights was called Sleep Lady. Yeah. And he mixed a record for us. Really? And so we just we had built a relationship through that, and me and him were both engineers, and we got along really good. So. I love ISIS. Oh, they're incredible, man. Um, and then we played one show with Palms. Yeah. Uh, which is the only time we had met Chino yeah. before that. It's funny because cause I, I was like super into Deftones. Yeah. And then in high school, there was this girl that I liked that uh -huh. was super into Deftones. Nice. And it didn't work there, so I like put Deftones aside. <laughs> and then Palms <laughs> brought Deftones back into my life. I was nice. like, oh, oh, this record's really good. Oh, 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 oh definitely. Yeah, go okay, back. let's go back. And yep. I've healed now, so I'm okay. Oh, nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> a true story. That's amazing. It's funny how things go through Music, life like that. Emotions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all That's tied it. together. Man. Totally. Um, so, yeah, we, we talked to Aaron. We wanted to record, make the record with him regardless of where it ended up. Um, but he, we sent to Ipecac and Greg and him, Greg, the owner of Ipecac and him, obviously, were already friends. And he told him, he's like, man, I really like this stuff. I want to, I would, I would do it in a, in a heartbeat. But Mike usually doesn't like this kind of music. I don't know. I'm going to send too, it to him and we'll see. It's too normal. Yeah. I know. We're like, I mean, you're probably right, you know. But then he sent Where it over. Where the time and, switches? And the next day, we got an email back and he was like, I love it. Let's do it. So, Hell yes. And like when we've talked to him about it, he's, he's, I think what he likes about it is he can't really like pinpoint it. He's just like, there's like something about it that I, that I love. I don't know it's like the the melodic it's he's like he kind of gets at a loss for words which makes me feel good because if he was like yeah it's just i like that it's like heavy, heavy. or i like yeah. that it's this it's like no that's that's a perfect reason to be on ipecac if you totally. can't necessarily exactly. just describe it pinpoint exactly what it is i was thinking about that while coming here today because i want to talk about alchemy for the dead uh -huh. and i feel like 2023 for myself um, I'm having a hard time appreciating records. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. But there's like a handful that I keep going back to. And Alchemy for the Dead is 100% one of those records. Wow, thanks, Which man. means it's going to be on my top 10 of the year for sure. Thank you. So, I appreciate so, that. And I was like, but what is this band? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand where Mike was coming yeah. from saying that yeah, like and that's trying cool, to describe... You know. Spotlights is extremely difficult. I just yeah, know that I like it. It's funny. It's and I, I like how like in in reviews lately, or like any press, the 
especially with Alchemy for the Dead now, the the descriptors and the genres just keep getting added on. Wider, so now we're like wider. five different genres. There's like shoegaze <laughs> would be probably the one that gets tacked on the yeah, most. Yeah, it gets tacked maybe. on all the time. Yeah. Shoegaze, doom gaze, maybe post yeah, rock, yeah. post metal. I, uh, it's it's music, and I like that. Now we're like alternative rock. Also, now we're '90s. Uh, worship. I don't know. It's it, there was one review where it was like there was literally like twelve different words in a row of what we are. I'm we're like, music, we're music hey, that's, people. That's we're perfect. music. Yeah, it's just that tells me that maybe we're doing something somewhat original. If it's that hard to pin down, I th- I, I think so. <laughs> so so this record, how easily did it come together? Um, I consumed it all at once. I don't listen to singles. Right. I I put it on and went for a walk on awesome. going to That's my friend. I was it. going to a party actually. And then like there's the, the main single the the sunset burial. Yeah. It just got me that that oh, whole amazing. like build up section near the end there. Right, right. And then that chug riff. <laughs> so freaking good. Thank you, man. I listen to it at least once a week. Like, Thank you. Love it. So, so what went into this record? There's like, is there concepts going on? Um, um, talk to me about putting this record together. Is it any different than the last ones? It's a little bit of everything. There's, the, you know, the, the concept that, you know, quote unquote concept that, that I that ended up, that the record ended up kind of being about like death and, and different aspects of death and whatnot came later than most of the songs were written. Like we did, I, I was pretty much done writing the record and when i really started putting the songs together is when i was like it just started kind of describing itself there's as, like an as overlying that, you know? thematic that yeah. just jumped out and at then you. the lyrics started kind of flowing out and even i had some lyrics already written i was like oh that kind of it fits. all fits it yeah. all fits into this kind of idea so so definitely um, like alchemy for the dead we rolled with it yeah and the the way that it comes out in the song to right just the the, the soft-spoken the way you approach the vocals on Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, like, as if, like, you're, you're, you're walking away. Uh, yeah, it had, it all had kind of, like, a, like, a weird morbidity to it. Total. Like, a beautiful morbidity to it. Like and the cover feeling, art you know. works well with that, too. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in my head, the first, the first, like, visual that kind of brought me that, it was, like, kind of like a, like a, you know, Victorian castle type of vibe is what I, what I kept, like, picturing in my head when I heard the, the songs that were kind of developing and so that whole i don't know just it all encapsulated into this like morbid like old death kind of vibe so do you think that the record would be different had you thought of the concept first before approaching the music probably yeah i try not to do that like i I don't think we've ever done that where it's like i want to write something about this i don't think that works at least not for me um because I don't. I'm not the type of person that can just sit down and write songs about things. It just comes out of you. It usually yeah. like it's it's always music first, and usually a drum groove or something first in my head. Kind of you know I'll be walking around and that idea starts going, and it's never really like oh this is about this. This is it. Once it kind of develops musically, then it's like my brain starts hearing what it's about more so. So I don't think it would work if I just decided on a concept and try to develop something off of that, you know. Love the record. Um, Thank you. Something super important for me is talking about mental health. What do you do when you're not feeling well? What is your tactic to pull yourself out of the weeds? Uh, what, what makes you feel better when you're having a dark day? I mean, you know, music for me is my number one, I think, just uh, which is also it can be it can be a double edged sword sometimes because sometimes music is the thing that puts me there. 
you know, like, like for instance, this record was tough, but it's, uh, we kind of put ourselves on a self-imposed deadline for the album and it's not so much the writing of the what music. What was the but reason for the deadline? Just so that you can get so on So we tour. could get on tour. Yeah. So we could just, I wanted a tour really bad and time was running short and I, you know, I had You're started. You were one of those bands that had like mad hype, building, 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 yeah, and then pandemic. Yeah. And it wasn't so much like I was worried about things going away. It's just we re I wanted to get back out on the road. And I know that, especially these days, without a new album, it's just much harder to get people to come out. You know, it's much harder to get the word out and get the excitement going. And I also just wanted new music. So and we had been the, the album was in the works, but I started booking a tour. Oh, this shit. tour that we just finished <laughs> i was like now we have that's to ballsy. do it yeah like i want i want to have the, the album done by <laughs> that's, then that's very ballsy which is also why we didn't have the vinyl done like right which at the same time that, which i figured it's the way it is people now. are used to it now i'd rather you can pre-order and yeah. ship it out later on there um but as far as going back to the mental health thing you know when when i'm recording our own records especially like writing it's it's also an issue for me sometimes but just i get I get like bogged down and like, you know, like this is just, just self doubt and, you know, crippling self doubt, crippling self doubt, imposter syndrome, like really? that whole thing. And Even in your band. Yeah. Yeah. Cause definitely. my guitarist deals with that and he's gotten over it for this Sometimes new more in my own band than anything. Really? Yeah. It's like, uh, cause Chris, Chris replaced John Levesar and he, for 10 years he's been wow. wrestling, yeah. feeling like a John Levesar imposter. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so even in your own band, you feel like, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm always, I'm even scared sometimes just to show that show my bandmates really? a song that I've come up with. I'm excited, but I'm also nervous. Like it, it really, and it's such a, and I'm hard on myself. So sometimes if like Sarah's like, Oh, cool. Like <laughs> then I, I'll just Fine. lose, scrap I'll it. lose scrap sleep it all. for days or yeah. You know, I'm glad I'm not usually the scrap it kind of person. I usually save everything. Even if it doesn't work that time, well, I'll, so you never, I'll, the, I'll the find future it. Band yeah, I'll find it. You know, um, like for instance, on this record, we have two songs that were written in 2014, 2015. Really? Yeah. The first and last first and second to last tracks were written. really interesting yeah but they just never like fully it just didn't fit before so they hadn't, they hadn't bloomed yeah now it just kind of came came to be so so what do you do when you, that moment happens the crippling self-doubt the sarah, sarah brushing off a song idea i try and just keep going like that's the one thing for me that helps that that i'm lucky to have is persistence when it comes to music like i just i'm not going to stop because it, I want to keep going no matter what. So if that didn't work and I'm feeling down and I'm feeling terrible, like pick it back up and just try again. I'm also lucky that I record in mix bands. So yeah. sometimes I get, that's an outlet that'll help me. So like totally. oh, I'm mixing a cool record. I can put our stuff on the back burner for a second, get into this band, get into this album and put myself in here and if that works out well it usually gives me a little bit of a lift and then i can go back to my own stuff or you know well, what would be some bands notable bands that you worked on um i mean unfortunately not, not too much notable stuff but the most you know notable or at least the the stuff that i've enjoyed mixing the most lately is uh there's a band called netherlands out of new york and they're just incredible and like crazy art rock nice. insanity. Um, and Timo Ellis, the, the singer, guitar player for the band, he's just a maniac. So he has like 
he records most of maybe not he records a lot of his stuff but he he's just very involved in the recording process and so he will set up his whole all the sessions and everything and sometimes we're looking at like you know 86 tracks holy shit and uh it's just very detailed and super every little thing that's in there is meant to be in there for a reason so i can't just gloss over like this little oh (laughs) <laughs> that's that's meant to be in there and he sometimes he wants that it. louder sometimes he wants it so you can barely hear it but he'll know if it's if not, it's in not there, there so, yeah you know it, stuff like that keeps me on my toes and keeps me entertained and uh i generally en- enjoy mixing a lot how, how often do you do the the abc trick where you send them mix a yeah and then they don't oh, like yeah, try stuff to trick them and then you they send them mix b and then they don't like that right. and then you send them back mix a <laughs> I've done it a lot. I've done it a few times, many times actually. Uh, it works though. For yeah, it does work. It does work. I mean, ninety percent of the time, you know, mix A is going to work anyway. But you got to just go through the go through the motions That's until so they're funny. like, you know what, you were right. That one's that one's better. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. A uh, new segment I've been doing this year is called Fight the Hops. Okay. I ask my guests a short-term goal, something they're working on right now that they hope to accomplish within a month, within two months. could be a personal goal. could be a career-wise goal. What are you doing right now to fight the hops? Ooh, to fight the hops. I mean, I think I'm just trying to keep things moving, man. Like, you know, try and keep things going up and up. We have some really cool stuff coming up with the band. Uh, I have Fantastic. some really cool stuff coming up recording wise stuff that i can't uh talk about yet but or not recording wise but mixing wise um so things are you know things are leveling up little by little it's great and uh without i've found that like the less i don't want to say effort but the less worry i put into everything the better things start working out for me and i think that's just the way of the world it's you know you obviously have to keep it comes with that maturity you have to keep working yeah and again that's why i'm glad that i have these opportunities now now, yeah not when i was 20 i know a lot of people had moments when they were young and now they don't even play music because they just Just got burned out burned out god damn so yeah i think for me it's just keep going 
keep it going. That's I like it. it. Yeah. Um, I love making collabs. I've released over 80 beer collabs oh, in the wow. past four years with the podcast. Nice. I've made coffees with Cryptopsy. I've made teas with Cryptopsy. Yeah. Uh, what would be the perfect collab for Spotlights? It doesn't have to be a beer. Just something that really represents you guys. So we do have a beer collab with uh, a brewery out of Lincoln, Nebraska. That Is it Cosmic Eye Brewing? Cosmic Eye Brewing. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. I love Sam. Sam Riggins, yeah, man. He's, he's the he's fucking amazing. best, man. I'm actually playing his venue coming up. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. yeah I'm so stoked that he got that set up finally. We're, we're going to try and get there at some point soon. No way. Talk to me about that. I love Sam. I've done collabs with him in the past. Yeah, so, so we were literally, I think, his first collab that he did with a band or maybe the second but um before he even opened the brewery we had met we through an old friend of a drummer of, of mine uh when we when i lived in san diego this guy justin jay sam was also really good friends with him and his sister they grew up together in kansas city and uh justin passed away and so we came together through that we met when we were playing, uh, I think we were playing Omaha one day, and Sam came out and watched Soundcheck, and we went and had a beer, and he was like, yeah, so I'm planning on opening this brewery in Lincoln, and I would love to do a beer with you guys, and he he did, man. He just got it. He wasn't, he was like head down into the project and made it happen, and their brewery is amazing, and the beer that they, he came up with was incredible. It's called Beauty of Forgetting, Yeah. which was a song on, it's the last song on Love and Decay. Yeah which is about Justin Jay. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a little paragraph on the back that describes Justin and, oh, and wow. the whole reason for and the what collaboration. What style of beer was that? It was, it was like a lighter IPA. I forget. He's going to kill me. Like, <laughs> he totally listens to this, too. Yeah, I'm sure. I know. <laughs> I know he does. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, I think it was, a, there was like a peach hops that he, that oh, he very used. Cool. So it had this like citrusy, I wouldn't say sweet by any means, but just like a really refreshing end to the whole thing. So I, I could actually drink that IPA and I drank a lot of them. I could drink like four or five and still keep going. So nice light, not yeah, too heavy. And IPA. I think he's done, we might be, he might be doing another batch of, a batch of that. So this will be the third one. Hell yes. So, so far. When, yeah. when Cryptopsy rolls through, I'll yeah. probably get this episode out before then. He's launching a uh, pit culture. Uh, and it's, um, yeah. I think it's like grandma stage dive or something is the name. Cause I pit culture it. is presented right. by metal injection. Oh, right. And it's all about educating the world about what happens in mosh pits. Nice. So every, there's third breweries from across the globe yeah. that are making beers with mosh pit moves. That's amazing. And Dave Witte's mom from Municipal Waste okay. stage dove. Oh, shit. So, so, so Sam asked Dave's permission yeah. to call the beer that and have that be the descriptor of the beer. That's incredible. Oh, man. I love it. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, but another, I, I'm trying to think of something else that would be a cool collab when it comes to you know, food or drink. Um, what do you guys love? What represents you? I'm obviously the beer guy. So unfortunately, like we love coffee. I can't, I can't have caffeine anymore just cause I have like a little bit of a, a heart thing when I drink caffeine, it fucks me up. Um, but I still love coffee and there's a, there's a roaster in Chicago called metric. Okay. who's amazing. Amazing. And he actually has a, a coffee called seismic after after us, we didn't even know he had done that. We found out after the fact. <laughs> um, so it wasn't technically a collaboration, but it's An inspiration, partly collaborated. Which is nice, yeah. yeah. Um, I would love, you know, if it had it, on the booze side of things, I would love to do like a bourbon with somebody or something like that. Hell um, yes. Yeah. What would that be? Something, something, something smoky, something peaty, or something. So, more I smooth. like a little bit of like a leathery. Not super smoky, not too peaty, but like a, like a, like a leathery, dry 
bourbon. Nice. You know, something that's just feels like old. <laughs> I love the old tasting bourbons. They're not too sweet. I don't like too, when they get too sweet, but uh, hell yeah. yes. One last question. Talked about it earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes uh, you have a bit too much of stuff. We go into excess right. every once in a while. <laughs> it happens to everyone. Totally. What is your hangover cure? Oh, man. These days, it's just ibuprofen. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I mean, it hurts so much. I, like, I'm 47 now, or I'm going to be 47 in November. You know, when this comes out, I'll be 47. Um, but it's uh, it just hurts nowadays, man. So I... I think my the best cure is pre like I guess prevention so like before I start drinking eat enough and drink enough water and it's then true. I wake up feeling better. It's true. And don't ever drink a PBR or a Budweiser to end the night of drinking. Interesting. That for me, I don't know why. The chemicals. It's, I don't know what As it Gavin is. Man, but would it say kills there. me if I've if I drink part of a PBR at the end of the night, I'm done. Like really? I wake up feeling like shit the Oof. next day. State of craft. I like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about music, talking about craft beer. Everyone go check out um, Alchemy for the Dead. Came out in April. Yep. Ipecac. It's, it's a fucking banger of a record. Thank you so and much, I really man. appreciate hanging out with Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Salud. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and I appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome, awesome conversation. I'm such a huge fan of the band. And to sit down with someone that I really didn't know beforehand, I just hit them up on Instagram and then we exchanged some emails. To sit down together and feel like you make a connection with someone is something that I love about doing this podcast. I'm super stoked that they're actually coming back to Montreal, coming here with Baroness. Uh, I'm going to go hang out with Mario again then. Massive thanks to you, Mario. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Total Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will also get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. You will also get to hear about anything going on in the world of Cryptopsy and the a lot of stuff going on with Cryptopsy right now, so the mailing list will keep you up to date on that. You will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently, and you will get to see which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. If ever you're looking for new music to listen to, well... You should listen to the new Cryptopsy as Gamora Burns. Just kidding, but you should listen to it. Apart from that release, Jerry finds the best new releases and puts them all onto the Brutal Awakenings playlist for our listening pleasure. So check it out. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's always a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Vox and Hospital podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing. So please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next week with one episode with Shane McCarthy of Wayfarer. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. 
We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.